Warning, the following may cause you to question everything you know about life. Listener discretion is advised. On June 26, 2015, the United States Supreme Court rules that same-sex couples can be married nationwide, contradicting the Christian's biblical definition of marriage. The decision was followed by fear for many Christians from coast to coast. One of Christian's worst fears has now been met as small business owners Aaron and Melissa Klain of Oregon have been fined $135,000 for refusing to give service to a homosexual couple. On this episode of The Culture Shock, we're going to discuss why this is a good thing for the American Christians. Good moment. This is Christian Hawkins. I'm here with our co-host, Matthew Glaze. How are you doing, Matthew? Doing well, Christian. How about yourself, man? I am doing great. I'm just really excited to actually uh, be here and to be talking to you and be heard. We survived Snowmageddon 2018 here in the southeast Texas area. Yeah, it was so scary. Like, I went outside and there was ice. It was kind of funny. I drove in yesterday. I drove into work. And I usually try to get here early to just have a little bit of quietness before everything else happens. And uh, I took off in the morning. And I, f- I first realized it was cold when I go to open my car door and the door just doesn't open kind of thing. It's just like <laughs> they're still frozen shut. And so I started driving. And I, I uh, again, I lived in Texas most of my life. So I don't have a lot of experience with, with snow and ice. Um, and I realized it became an issue when I started kind of slipping and sliding and going down some, some exit ramps here and there. So it was just a, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to be a more intense drive than normal. So I turned on my, my Jesus music and started praying. Really. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, uh, I read on Facebook that the best way to drive in the snow is to be, be kind of like uh, you're bringing a grandma's potluck uh, on a Sunday morning. Just like you have slow. two jugs of iced tea, a uh, basket of biscuits, <laughs> and... Uh, two crock pots in the back seat you drive really slowly yeah, take uh, turns really slowly that is the best way don't slam on the brakes and mm. your gas is not your best friend <laughs> yeah basically try to move as little as possible is the best way to drive in snow mm-hmm. yes yeah, it's, it's uh it's kind of like hillsong's pastor during interviews just uh try not to make any waves just go as slow as possible and don't answer questions directly <laughs> when driving <laughs> never never answer questions directly when driving <laughs> especially abortion questions just don't even don't even try yes avoid those at all costs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like red turtle shows a mario kart yep yep so we're what like three minutes in i'm already getting in trouble sorry <laughs> <laughs> so uh clearly uh what we're what we're here to talk about today is uh is uh the um difference between uh um freedom of religion and freedom from religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is uh, quite a controversial topic as uh, America is separated into uh, two really large worldviews, uh, whereas uh, modern progressives want to 
see America as a, a secular state, uh, and uh, modern conservatives want to see America as a uh, evangelical. Um, I don't really know. They're they're kind of confusing sometimes. A evangelical conservative state, I guess, somewhat moderate, somewhat authoritarian, but yeah. I mean, whatever Ted Cruz wants it to be, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever he likes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We these are pretty interesting times in the last last twenty years since the uh, government has uh, really changed its tone on how it wants to define marriage. Uh, in the last hundred years. Uh, it's, it seems as though the, the government has been trying to uh, teach us right and wrong. You know, back in the, what was it, 1919, we changed the Constitution to uh, outlaw alcohol. Personally, I um, don't see a life where alcohol is going to be a part of my life. But I don't think it should be illegal. I think that should be something that's uh, for everyone to decide. Um, but the, uh, the people convinced the government to step in, and that created the FBI, that created organized crime, mm -hmm. and started the war on drugs, brought us to where we are today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, it's, it's the same thing as the, the Ron Swanson joke from Parks and Rec, right, when he asked the kids, you know, how does government work? And after a few blank seconds, he just tells them, simple, it doesn't work. Kind of thing, yeah. and um, I, I think as we'll see today, as we'll probably flesh out today in this conversation, um, typically government is not supposed to be the moral police of the world. Mm -hmm. um, really, I mean, their, their main job is to simply protect their citizens. Right. Um, but when it becomes into issues of civil or moral rights and things of that nature, uh, maybe not civil as much, but moral rights. Mm -hmm and rules, um, that doesn't seem to be the design that God chose for how we should actually move and operate through this world. So. It just makes me wonder, like, uh, what what is a Christian nation? Would it be a nation like um, Israel back in biblical times, or would it be like America? Um would it be like Poland? Where where would we, where would a Christian nation be? Um, would have been would it have been uh, Constantinople, the um, Byzantine Empire, yeah. um, the Holy Roman Empire? Uh, probably not. That was neither holy nor Roman, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I think. Um, I think the question you, you get into is, does scripture, I mean, especially for Christians here, if, if Christians are to base really everything they think and do in life based off the word of God and using that wisdom, uh, you have to ask the question, well, what does the Bible say about governments and about governmental systems and how do we respond to and what should it look like kind of thing? And I, I think it's interesting that um, when you talk about Israel, they, uh, God didn't seem to ever really want to set up a real, um, I guess a modern government by any stretch of the means. Like his, his idea of how the Israelites would govern themselves was basically through the judges and 
Mm-hmm. As we, as we saw, they didn't care for that. They wanted to have a monarchy like every other country around them, every kind of nation around them. And that wasn't really God's plan, but no. he allows it. So, um, I don't know what, it, um, in your thoughts, your study of scripture, what, do you, what have you seen to be, uh, the design or the model or how, how should Christians think about or, or, um, structure government, I guess is the way. Um, well, you know, the, the, the way I see it is, um, in, in most context, I, uh, feel a lot of, uh, apathy towards what the government's business is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, honestly, I feel the government should have a lot of apathy. Uh, I think we should have a very apathetic government. Uh, I feel like we should be a libertarian nation, a nation that protects our freedom. That's the only thing they're passionate about is protecting the citizens' freedom, protecting our welfare, Mm -hmm. which I don't mean taking our money and uh, giving it back to us. But the way I see a nation uh, that would be ideal in God's eyes would be one that's free, uh, would be one uh, that would allow people to choose to the point that uh, it doesn't affect other people. So right, and and I mean this. I don't think this podcast necessarily is going to be a let's just pick on and, and bash government. I think there's a lot of times where government's really not? gotten it right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's for another podcast on yeah. another on another network. Um, yeah. But I think there's a lot of time I mean, we get it right. I mean, you think about um, the abolition of slavery. I mean, however, we actually got to that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good thing, and it was a God glorifying yeah. thing that we got to that moment. Absolutely, uh, civil rights movement was the idea that people have equal rights in their own government system, regardless of the ethnicity or the socioeconomic background they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are things like we just said a second ago. That that is government protecting people. Uh, right. In this case, it's government protecting people from itself, because a lot of times they are just we are a bunch of sinful, broken creatures who unfortunately do draw towards uh, divisions instead of yeah. instead of living in harmony. So. So what do you think about the uh, the situation in Oregon about this uh, this family that owns the the bakery? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were the Oregon uh, Supreme Court, how would you have handled this situation? I mean, it's interesting because you have to think. Um, and I think this goes to the idea of tolerance is, is a big yeah. key. I think that's a key that's been missing so much in the conversation about uh, so-called same-sex marriage or uh, you know, homosexual relationships and the church's response to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of classical tolerance is saying that I look at you and I say, you have different views from me, but because you are a person creating the image of God, you have rights and, and responsibilities and you have dignity. Uh, I'm going to respect your opinion, even though I disagree with it, and even though I will not support it myself. Yeah. Uh, it seems like today's view of tolerance is that uh, you must agree with what everybody else says, and if you mm-hmm. don't, you're labeled a bigot. And that's not necessarily tolerance. That's just yeah. caving into everybody else's opinion. Um, so with this case in Oregon, going back to that, um, it's it's tough because it <laughs> you, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too, I guess, in the sense that if you say a a couple is free to marry however they deem appropriate, mm-hmm. be it a male and male couple or a female female or a heterosexual un- union, um, okay, that's fine. That's the government again trying to protect 
people's liberties, yeah. uh, even to the point where government's protecting people's liberties to sin, which um, yeah. there doesn't seem to be anything in, in the Bible that says the government can't do that kind of thing. It, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, if you're willing to protect those people, which I think at some level you probably should, I, I don't, I don't ever want to get to the point where a person who's homosexual is being attacked and right. potentially uh, victimized and, and killed because of their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to be able to say as a person, like, I don't agree with that in, in my business model. I don't want to support something that I don't agree with morally. Right. And I think that, if, again, if I'm doing something that in my worldview says, um, I just can't agree with this, yeah. but I'm not hurting that person. I'm not necessarily causing that person any harm or damaging them in any way. I, I don't see where the issue would become legally. Mm-hmm. I can understand being frustrated as a, as a gay person and saying it's yeah. not fair that they don't want to make my cake. Um, but at the same time, the same way you're asking us to respect your relationship choosings, I would ask that you respect my ability and my rights to say I don't agree with that. Not that I don't love you and don't care mm-hmm. for you as a human being, but I don't agree with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it comes down to it. If I were put in uh, in that couple's shoes, I'd, I'd bake them a cake. A cake, not a, not a, a wedding cake, but a cake. I'd give them the shirt off my back. I would give them everything in uh everything in my power to do i would help them but i would not bake them a wedding cake because i love them and i don't want to enable sinful behavior yeah that's that's the thing it's it's the question i i got uh i'm I'm a youth pastor here in texas and one of the questions i received as as part of my um my interview process was the question of, you know, how would you deal with the homosexual couple coming into your youth group? Or if you have a kid in your youth group that is homosexual, is is actively pursuing that. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at it the same way I look at any sin. If I have a kid who's addicted to cocaine or something like that, or addicted to drugs or pornography, um, mm-hmm. you view it the same. And it's, yeah. it's like you just said, like, I will give you every single thing I can give you as a human being to keep you dignified as a person. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to the point where you're asking me to do something that is... Um, that is enabling or is, is, is showing somehow and communicating that your sin is okay and that it's not sinful. Um, I can't do that kind right. of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's something I have to consider coming up as I, um, slowly, uh, build my, uh, my freelance graphic design business mm-hmm. is, um, is the situation where, uh, someone's going to ask me, to design them something mm-hmm. to enable uh, sinful behavior, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I don't really know where to draw the line in some situations. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I guess when it comes to wedding invitations, I will um, the way I will list what type of wedding invitations I'll do is just Christian wedding invitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's your choice too. I mean, this yeah. and the idea of an open market kind of thing, like that's your decision. And that's, and that's you saying like, I'm going to willingly take away profits from myself yeah. because of my convictions. And you should have the right to say that. I mean, you're, it, it's not that I'm uh, rallying around and trying to create a coalition with all, all printing technology yeah, market no. to no. prevent homosexuals from 
no, from um, getting wedding invitations. That's that's a completely different issue. This is purely individual's choice. Like yeah, I said, yeah, this if, is if, a if, small business choice. If you start making a coalition that says, like, no one here in the surrounding 25 miles is going to make invitations yeah. for a homosexual couple, that's being a little bit vindictive and harmful. Yeah, that's when the government needs to step in. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I understand that. So um, to kind of get back to the question, because the, the, the key here we're going for is the idea of freedom from religion or freedom of religion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions you asked kind of in the rundown sheet was the idea of just defining marriage. And is that, res- is that a responsibility of the government versus the faith? And so I'll throw the question to you. How, who do you think is responsible for defining the terms of marriage? Well, Here's the thing. We we have freedom of religion in the Constitution mm-hmm. that's protected. Mm-hmm. Within religion is what defines marriage. Mm-hmm. Marriage also, unfortunately, is a issue of morality, which also deals with laws. Mm-hmm. So... Where, where do you draw the line? And personally, if, if it were my decision, here's where I'd draw the line. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to um, be in some sort of uh, sexual relation with someone, I, I, I would say the government's position should be it's healthy to be in a relation with one person uh, that's not a family member. Mm-hmm. And within a safe age range that should be it Mm -hmm. now for our faith then then we should be looking into the biblical concepts Mm -hmm. um but you know morality it makes it more complicated because you have all, all kinds of issues that that have come up in american history you know polygamy and um other things yeah. <laughs> that uh, we we don't we uh, for for the health of our nation we don't need that type of behavior to be enabled to the point that uh, if it needs to be uh, illegal then you know it, yeah yeah <laughs> again it, go, it goes back to the whole idea of protecting the citizens of your country is what government's job should be kind yeah. of thing um and i'm like you I, I think that's a really good framework or a good base work that you start off with there yeah. saying that it's just a it's a union between two people i mean let's be honest at the end of the day i think the part of the reason why uh homosexual so-called homosexual marriage or same-sex marriage is was an issue is because of the of the legal benefits that a, mm-hmm. a married couple receives versus a just a, a dating couple or a right. couple that's just together. Um, I mean, you think about tax breaks, thing like that. That's that's when it becomes issues. And again, I, what I think about is, as you were saying that, talking about the government's understanding mm-hmm. of marriage, and that's fine. Government should have an understanding of marriage to protect yeah. people like that. But oh, even and by the way, I just filed my taxes today. I really, really need to get married. <laughs> he he swipes left on Tinder <laughs> or whatever. I don't know how it actually works. Yeah, I, I, I found my fiance the old-fashioned way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but oh, I was saying, talking about uh, you know, you think about 
issues in the in history that have been legal things to have. You think about slavery as an issue, as um, something that for centuries and decades and uh, it's been okay. I mean, mm-hmm. like, think about the Roman Roman nation; like they were okay with slavery. They even had laws yeah. for slavery, kind of thing. And the connection is here is that Paul Paul never once really tried to abolish slavery. He wasn't he wasn't a civil rights leader right. at the time, Apostle Paul, that is. Um, but yet he spoke to a higher calling of relationship between two individuals. He talked about the idea that, you know, slaves and slave owners should not be, but it should be yeah. brothers in Christ kind of a thing. And yet Paul wasn't trying to get a, a bill signed in Rome. Right. He was right. just calling Christians to a higher level of morality. And the same thing applies here for the homosexual relationship. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's not that big of a deal if the U.S. government decides a homosexual relationship is okay. Mm-hmm. Again, they're trying to protect their people. They're trying to do right. their job. Again, the Christian is called to a higher standard of living as they are on all issues of life, whether it be sexual relationships or what do you ingest as far as food and drug and alcohol? How much do you ingest? You should do it at a higher calling. Right. Um, and so, yeah, who cares if the the country makes a rule you're still called to a higher calling between what god gave you uh, and that doesn't redefine the marriage covenant in christian faith mm-hmm. it just changes the tax laws exactly yeah. and you know that's that's an interesting thing uh at one point i held the belief that that you know marriage could should be completely privately managed mm. but because of the uh implications of that Mm -hmm. that would be very very difficult for documentation purposes Mm -hmm. it'd be very difficult for tax purposes it would be difficult in um, uh, for insurance and different things like that Mm -hmm. it'd be very hard to verify and and, uh, there is a lot of fraud in marriage but i it it could get worse it might get better maybe you know uh Maybe the private market would do a better job at it. I don't know. Maybe so. But that's that's the argument for completely erasing marriage laws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's a good point. Uh, to kind of do a bigger, more meta question, um, what do you feel like or how do you think, uh, let me, how to phrase this, what, what role should, should the the faith, and we're going to use particularly the Christian faith. Uh, what, I like that one. <laughs> what role should that have in the uh, the establishment of laws and really government as a whole? Uh, what role do you think a faith should play in a governmental system? So basically the question of, should we live in a democracy or should we live in a, uh, oh, what's the word for a... a theocracy. A theocracy. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you think is the difference there? How do you think? What do you think is the benefits or cons of both of those? Well, I believe uh, I I believe in the the truest form of Christian theology, mm-hmm. a a theocracy for a true theocracy for Christians would be a democracy, mm-hmm. not not exactly mob rule, but mm-hmm. more like a organized democracy, like that of the United States. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you say to the idea that um, we hear it all the time, that America was founded on Christian principles, America was founded on Christian morality, um, and that Christianity is the driving force of the American government? What do you, how do you feel about that? Or? That's somewhat true. I mean, you know, 
that was uh, Christianity had a much larger cultural influence back in 1700s. Very true. All 13 colonies were different denominations of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took a lot for, it took, dare I say, an act of God mm-hmm. for them to get along yeah. to become a nation. I, um, you know, last, last uh, Thanksgiving, it was so cool uh, getting to be part of a joint uh, service between uh, Baptists and Methodists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm glad that, that that's possible. You know, a lot of denominations don't get along. Could you imagine a nation being formed by 13 different similar faiths coming together? Um, so, you know, Christianity was a big influence in, in the American church, sure. in, in America, in the American nation, that is. Sure. Um, but Massachusetts is not uh, not a Puritan nation anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Pennsylvania is not Quaker anymore. Um, uh, Maryland's not really a Catholic paradise anymore. <laughs> um, I don't know. Tennessee's mainly ran by Southern Baptists. So, I mean, it is the headquarters of the uh, Lifeway. Yeah. The, the Lifeway, Lifeway, not Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I love Lifeway. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. He's only saying that because he might get a job with them someday. I used to work for them, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a small stalker, just a back-of-the-room yeah. guy. I applied, and they never called me. Your theology's wrong, that's why. That's probably so. <laughs> Too Methodist. Well, it's interesting, even even in the establishment, and you're right, I think there's been a, a very obvious uh, Christian influence on the culture that established America and kind of shaped it. But even then, when, when the founding fathers or the frameworkers of the Constitution sat down, they, they specifically talked about the idea of freedom of religion as, as part of the structure of their country. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, and... Just to, to put it in context, the country they were escaping from or the country they were seceding from was basically a, very close to a theocracy in the sense yeah. of like, the Church of England had so much power in the government, King George. Scary amount of power. Yeah. And so it's so fascinating that a country, and I think this goes back to your point earlier, saying that a true theology would, would want to represent a, a democratic country, um, but that the people who founded our nation on Christian values did so with the intent of saying uh, people should be free to worship how they deem appropriate as exactly. long as it's in the as long as it's in the realm of protecting one another as citizens. And so, yeah, it's a fascinating point. Yeah, I uh, and it was an experiment. You know, it was mm-hmm. something that's never been done before. Yeah, and the whole world thought um, the Americans were insane. Mm-hmm. They still do, but <laughs> now we're just power hungry and insane. Yeah. But even if you go back to, uh, I I think a lot about like the in the Bible in the biblical times, uh, and I think some people use a, this verse I'm going to use here is a way to say that, um, you know, in America, if you don't like the way the laws are going, you just kind of rebel against them, kind of thing. But the the where I'm going is in Acts chapter five. Yeah. Uh, is when Peter, he says, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, he says, but, but Peter and the apostles answered, talking back to the, the Jewish leaders of the time, right. said, we must obey God rather than men. And he's right, but it's so interesting, is that 
they were saying that to a God-centered country leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way we talk about the Americas, like it's interesting of all the times the Bible looks to kind of reject the influence of, of a country, mm-hmm. it's in a country that is, you know, quote-unquote, a Christian or at that time a Jewish nation. Right, right. It's just fascinating to me. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it seems... Uh, it, it almost seems as though uh, government, and I'm, I'm not trying to be like an anarchist or anything here, but it seems like government is almost like a worldly concept in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, and I, I would think that it's almost like the way Jesus described uh, the whole divorce thing in Matthew. When he's sitting there and saying, like, you know, you know Moses gave you a certificate of divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. It was never God's true design for marriage for there to ever even be an idea of divorce, but because of the sin that ran so rampant in your hearts, like God and his provision said, okay, I'll give you this idea here. But the same thing with government too. I think, I think if you, if we could have like asked God for his commentary on the day when the Israelites come and ask him for a king, he'd say, well, you know, if people would really live within the confines and the, in the context of how I create this thing to work without sin, yeah. There would be no need for government because people would generally love each other as Christian brothers and sisters, right. and there'd be no need for it. I'm going to give it to them because they are so sinful and they are so in need of somebody mm-hmm. to lead them and, and to govern well. But it's never been God's design from the beginning. It's, the entire design was to love God and to love your neighbor. Yeah. If God has had his way, we'd all be very, very, very happy and naked <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. Uh, I'd be very happy. I love walking around naked. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd just be walking around naked talking to deer all day. There you go. Instead, yeah, I'm here. Clothed. In Texas with clothes on. <laughs> and it's cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let me ask you another question here then too. Um, one of the things we've seen here, and I think uh, John Piper talks about it, is that you know we, we've been in a country has experienced probably like 300 years of or not 300 yet but a little over 200 years of un uncomparable blessings from god in the sense that christianity has been the cultural dominating force in our country basically since the inception and now we're seeing that to start to kind of decline a little bit and i think fairly rapidly um, we're seeing more of a secular worldview, a postmodern worldview, mm-hmm. uh, start to kind of have rule of the land. Uh, and many Christians kind of get frustrated by that, and they find themselves saying, you know, uh, you know, God's going out of the country kind of thing, or God's yeah. being pushed out of our nation. Um, and one of the very practical um, areas you see this at is in the school system. You know, there's no longer, uh, apparently there was a time before where, you know, Christian uh, artwork and Christian uh, imagery was all over schools. Yeah. Um, you think about, I think people would argue a lot of Christians are kind of the founders of all universities. Um, but but that's going away now, and there's there's more of a focus on we're not going to have one certain religion, if any religion at all, mm-hmm. be a focus in the context of our schools. And many Christians kind of get frustrated by that. Um, yeah. Go on, I, I have a rant, but <laughs> go on. <laughs> well, to cue you up, what would your rant be about that topic, sir? Well, the, the, the thing is about uh, Christianity being uh, 
taken out of schools as, as we've replaced it with secularism. Mm -hmm. But what you have to understand is in sociology is secularism is in its own way an entirely different worldview, mm -hmm. which almost makes secularism not secular. <laughs> so because we, we teach in secularism, they always teach atheist worldviews. Fair enough, yeah. Which is not secular. Yeah, it's atheist worldview. That's a, a specific worldview. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I spent biology class uh, always so confused because of having to learn all these theories. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I guess that always bothered me because I grew up on a on a faith that was built on textual criticism mm -hmm. uh, and other forms of verification and not by some crazy dude in a white coat in California, you know? <laughs> well, it's interesting. You think about one of the issues that are, at least in science classes, that become such a hot-button issue, and it seems to kind of be losing steam at this point. We'll see what happens in the next 10 years. But evolution has been the, uh, the champion of the scientific world for a while since Darwin made his discoveries. Yeah. Um, but what I think is interesting is that we've now arrived at a point in our history where evolution is no longer a theory. Evolution is a presumed fact, even though evolution by itself has never truly been factualized. It's never truly been verified by anything. And if we really look at a lot of the textbooks in detail, especially older textbooks, it talks about mm -hmm. uh, when even when it shows like maybe a flowchart of evolutionary spacing, like um, it was done with these kind of dotted lines and saying, like, this is a theory. This is not proven. We are missing several jumps along this evolutionary yeah. track. But it's interesting to see that, I th and I think this is an atheistic worldview, is kind of pushing this agenda, mm -hmm. that uh, those dotted lines that were very much um, fair and very much balanced in their approach of saying, like, look, we haven't figured this whole thing out yet. Mm -hmm. Those are now gone. It's just a straight line through and say, nope, this is, this is what it is. This is the only way it could have happened kind of thing. And that's the that's the given view. Yeah, for you know, I always hear this analogy that um, if you were to take a uh, typewriter and uh, some TNT mm -hmm. and um, set off the TNT, um, and when the debris falls, that a dictionary would appear. That's how the the Big Bang theory occurred. Um, <laughs> If you look at the numbers for that, uh, that's a very poor analogy. It actually underestimates the the uh, likelihood yeah. of physics being perfect enough for me to even just be able to take a breath and speak right yeah. now, for me to be even to have cognition right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's I believe, and this is just off the top of my head. I don't have notes for this. This is. A rabbit hole we uh, uh, weren't even supposed to go down today, but mm. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I believe it's 10 to the 89th power, which is which is a number so large that it has. If you were to try to write it, it has more zeros than there are molecules in the known universe. Mm. Um, Seems like atheists have a lot more faith than we do for a faithless people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think my uh, maybe my frustration, or maybe I don't want to call it a frustration. I'm not, I don't really lose any sleep about it. But is the idea that 
if you want to teach a certain worldview, that is okay. Um, but I think you're missing the point of freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, when you're teaching the worldview that we're teaching right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not trying to sit here and say we should only teach a Christian worldview. I think, right. I think in a very perfect world, we would teach all these different worldviews. We would teach an evolutionary worldview. We would teach a very much a... Uh, a multiverse worldview, or we would teach a random happenstance creation worldview mm-hmm. kind of thing, and an intelligent design worldview, and we would allow balance to happen, and we would allow good critical thinking skills to help students kind of navigate through this. Right. The problem is, and we talked about, I talked about this with a friend of mine the other day who is a geologist, petroleum geologist, like just a brilliant guy, just mm-hmm. smarter than I ever have a right being kind of thing, and where was I going with this? But... If we would just, oh, I know, even in the church, we don't do a good job of educating our people mm-hmm. on understanding very practical things. Um, for instance, you look at intelligent design. Mm-hmm. It's a really good theory, right. and it's a really well-developed theory, and there's a lot of great theories out there about how, the, how God created the universe. Um, and you just look at the science of it. I think you're kind of hanging to it second go there, but just the amount of of physical constants that are necessary for our universe to even exist are so large, and there's so many things that had to happen at exact same exact time in history, or else this whole thing would not have happened. And if we would just teach our kids that in a, either a Sunday school or a, or a Wednesday night lesson kind of thing, mm-hmm. I think that would be huge for them, especially a, a a high school or middle school student who's eventually going to go into college where they might look at a professor one day in a geology class or biology class and just th- and they throw this theory of evolution out there. They throw this theory of just kind of serendipitous mm-hmm. happen chance that the universe formed the way it did. Yeah. It's going to shake them to their knees because they've never heard another theory from a Christian worldview. Exactly. Um, and it's just frustrating because, again, there's a beauty to that, man. There's a beauty to understanding, wow, this all these things are necessary for this to happen. Like you think about it, like you, you can't sit there and honestly tell me after hearing every single constant, every single part of the factual universe that had to happen for it, to, for it to come to be. Mm-hmm. It, you're right. It does take more faith to be an atheist than it takes to be a Christian because Absolutely. how could all those things happen at one time and perfectly? Gosh, it has to take something more than that. But, mm-hmm. but we don't teach our kids that we don't, we don't, we don't give fair chance for all the voices to be heard. You know, this kind of reminds me of a, a recent quote by uh, former President Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. He um, <laughs> he said um, that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, he said that people that just watch Fox and Friends are on a completely uh, parallel universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first, uh, being a fan of Fox and Friends... <laughs> This kind of hurt my feelings, uh, but it brought me back to, I, I understand what he meant, because it's totally true. Uh, if if you just stick your head in a media form that only shares your worldview, and you're not listening to stuff that's going to challenge you, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're in a parallel universe. I love to, I, I usually, and Fox News isn't my first choice, because I'm not a conservative. Mm-hmm. I'm exactly a conservative and more of a libertarian Mm -hmm. but i um i try to listen to news that that uh agrees with my worldview and Mm -hmm. also try to listen to news that challenges my worldview of course it's how you grow as a person yeah and um if if it wasn't for um 
me trying to challenge my faith, I wouldn't be as strong of a believer in, 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 in Christ because I spent a significant portion of my life trying to convince myself that God isn't real, trying to convince myself that uh, what happened to me when I was 14 years old was just some sort of uh, uh, conversion experience mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, just like a spiritual experience, some yeah. sort of, you know, fake uh, spiritual experience that wasn't real. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I spent a lot of time trying to convince myself that God isn't real. And similar to what Lee Strobel came across and mm-hmm. what many other people that have done a lot of research they have no choice but to accept the, the truth that, that um, God is real, mm-hmm. that uh, earth was intricately created, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, no one could ever convince me otherwise. Yeah, no, I, I uh, on that same point there, I I think about my, and my faith, I, uh, I'm so thankful that in college I took a class on just kind of the uh, understanding of the Bible. It was it was done through a I'm not going to say full on atheist, but a, a uh, definitely not a traditional understanding of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the main textbook was done by a guy named Bart Ehrman, who at the University of North Carolina is a textual critic. Um, I think is a very poor textual critic, but he's gained a lot of popularity over the years. Um, Usually, the poor ones do. <laughs> But his, I'm so thankful that I took that class and I had to read that textbook because it yeah. really shook me a little bit and it forced me to do research and to look at the textual criticisms by other authors and to look mm-hmm. at just the overall picture. Because I'd spent my entire Christian life, however long I'd been at that point, just thinking, oh, of course the Bible's true, of course, because God wrote it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think many of us kind of have a faith that sits at that point for a long time. But because I was forced to say, oh, maybe there are some some discrepancy here. Maybe there are some contradictions here. Maybe there are some kind of things like this. And it, it shook me a little bit because I never thought about that in a really serious way. Um, it forced me to go take a look at the text critically, and it's, it's made my faith better as a whole because yeah. of that kind of a thing. Yeah, just because Jesus is the good shepherd doesn't mean you have to be a dumb sheep. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I, I think this goes back to the question of freedom of religion versus freedom from religion. Yeah. Like we're we're going to continue to live in a country that um, is going to become less and less Christian, and I think that's a really good thing, honestly, I Christian. Agree. I, agree. I I think it's it's so good that our country is getting out of this cultural Christianity because I think this cultural Christianity has sent a lot of people to hell thinking they're going to go to heaven because they have a baptismal certificate. And I think the good thing about it is that it's going to challenge Christians to be a little bit stronger in their faith than they've had to be for the past however many years now. And that's a great thing. I I think um, one of the biggest things that frustrates me as a Christian is hearing the word hypocrite being being labeled towards the Christian faith. But I think so many people have have had a fair reason for saying that because of cultural Christianity, because people who would maybe come to church on a Sunday morning or would at least say they came to church on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and then their lives look nothing like the life Christ has called us to throughout the week. And they did that. And of course, it's a hypocrite, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. I think we're seeing that that's finally going to start going away because it's not going to benefit that person to go to church anymore. Exactly. They'll just say, yeah, I don't go to church. I don't care about Jesus. And it hurts my heart to hear them say that, but I'd rather them say that 
than to falsely try to take up the name of Christ and not care at all about his teachings. Exactly. Um, so I, I, I do selfishly hope that our, our, our nation continues to kind of drift away from Christianity because I think it's going to make the light of the gospel all that much brighter in our mm-hmm. nation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to, to go back on was uh, what you were talking about with um, the, um, you know, the secularization of our schools. Mm. Um, I get so frustrated sometimes when I hear uh, pastors complain that God is not in our schools when uh, you have so many churches right next to schools doing little to no outreach programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would not believe how successful um, it is to have a day mm-hmm. of free haircuts mm-hmm. and medical screenings and um, school supplies mm-hmm. the day before uh, school starts. Yeah. I, hey, if you're a church and you're about to do something like that, I will send a check your way. Mm-hmm. I'd love to help. Yeah. Just not a big check. I'm a college student. Come on. <laughs> How about a check? I mean, I'll just give you a check that says, go for it. <laughs> That's all it is. But seriously, I mean, um, there are so many opportunities for uh, for outreach uh, in our schools, and that's what it's always been about for the American church. Yeah, no, I think, um, again, it's just going to go back to us as Christians having to try harder. Um, yeah, people, we know this is a fact, churches are declining because people aren't just driving to church and saying, yeah, I really want to be a Christian today. Mm-hmm. But it's forcing us to try harder, and that's a good thing, too. Again, it's, it's, it's taking away those things that have kind of weighed us down for the past couple of years yeah. and hopefully producing a better church at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, as a youth pastor, ways that I can be involved in the, in the, in the school. Uh, and not just so the Christian name can be lifted higher, but so that I can make a connection with these kids. And so um, it's good that it's become harder because it, it challenges me to focus more and right. to focus better on it. So. Even if the you know even if the the schools no longer uh, teach Christian values, uh, it doesn't prevent the church from opening its doors uh, to you know fifth quarter programs after the football games, uh, you know after school, um, you know after dance party at the church. Mm-hmm. I that sounds kind of crazy, but you wouldn't believe uh, how much that worked for some churches um you know a lot of middle schools will have like uh you know dances and stuff and uh if you have like a youth party at the church afterwards really fun you know for kids a really great outreach um it's it's not a a worldly event It, it teaches kids to to have fun without being worldly it's it's but it's go back. It's a willingness to go above and beyond for the sake of the gospel, which yeah. is what we're called to do anyway as a church. Well, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that that we can stay relevant without becoming worldly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 a very uh, tight path to follow, but it's something that for us as Christians to reach people have to stay relevant. Yeah absolutely have to stay relevant if um i mean in my personal faith 
I, I'm always looking for ways to reach out to people mm-hmm. in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Like I had this really cool idea to start a podcast. I don't know why I'm going to start that. Maybe sometime soon. Maybe today. I don't know. Um, but irregardless of what Uncle Sam's doing with the school, what Uncle Sam's doing with uh, a tenth of my paycheck, what what phrases are on my coins, what phrases are on the dollar bills, mm-hmm. what's painted on the uh, police cars, what's imprinted on the courthouses. I don't care if America trusts God because I trust God, my church trusts God, and my brothers and sisters trust God. My nation is not where I base my faith. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, yeah, as I said, God God never intended for this whole entire world to look to the government for help and for support and for protection. We're mm-hmm. ultimately called to look to Christ. Um, and like you said, that will not change regardless of the fact if your nation is a communist, oppressive government, mm-hmm. if your nation is a theocracy based on another religion, that uh, should not change. Or if it's democracy and you live in a fairly calm, peaceful environment. Your hope should always be looking to Christ and not to the government. Um, so regardless of what happens in that government, like you said, I don't care. Christ is not changing. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, dude, I think um, if we're being honest here, we probably scratched maybe a tenth of the surface of what we wanted to get to with this topic. I'm not even sure if we actually even answered the question of is it freedom of religion or freedom from religion. So we might have to do a couple more podcasts on this topic here, but I really enjoyed it today. Yeah, me too. I think before the discussion, I was a little more, less confused. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, I, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it as well. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, please be sure to uh, leave us a review. Uh, Go like us on Facebook and uh, yeah, Facebook. It's cool.